morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to look at Matthew 10, verses 24 to 33 this morning as we continue our series on the book of Matthew. And uh, so far, last, last week, what we looked at is at the end of chapter 9, which kind of wraps up an initial section of Jesus' public ministry where he is proclaiming the gospel and healing all diseases and sicknesses. And, and now he is handing over at the end of chapter 9 and then into chapter 10. He's, he's not handing over, but, but he's, he's calling his disciples and he's giving them authority to go do what he has been doing as well in order to proclaim the kingdom of God and to invite people to join the kingdom and to trust in Jesus Christ. And uh, so basically at the end of chapter 9, we saw last week how every single one of us, those who, who claim to be followers of Jesus, all have a responsibility to head out as farmers into the, the harvest fields because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And, and he's calling us to labor. He's calling us to share our faith with people around us, to, to invite people who don't know Jesus into the kingdom of God. And, and then in the chapter 10, he, he calls his disciples to himself, and he, as I said before, he gives them authority to go out and to do what he's been doing. And then in, in much of chapter 10, the, the first half of chapter 10, he then warns them, as he says, I'm sending you out. He's all, he's, he also warns them. He says, you guys are going to face a lot of hardship and a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. You're going to be persecuted. That's what he, he really harps on in the first half of chapter 10. You're going to be persecuted and you're going to be rejected and it's going to be really hard. If you, if you go out and you're, and you're public and you're bold about what you believe, you're going to face persecution. And then he comes to the, the, the words that we're going to look at in um, verses 24 to 33 where he's, he tries to give them some encouragement because he doesn't want them to despair as they think about how hard it's going to be. So listen to God's word as I read from Matthew 10, verses 24 to 33. It's also printed in your order of worship if you want to follow along there as well. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house of Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing that is covered, for nothing that is covered that will not be, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we pray now that as we look at your word, that you would work in our hearts. We need you to to take the veil away from our eyes, that we would see you clearly, that we would see ourselves clearly, that we would see the beauty and the glory of Jesus. So Father, we pray that you would show, show us now 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a number of years ago, Kim and I went away for the weekend to Newport, Rhode Island. I don't know how many of you guys have been to Newport, Rhode Island, but they have all these huge mansions that you can go and tour around in, and uh, they're really ostentatious and everything. But, but on the other side of the, man- of the mansions, there's, like a, the, the, there's the water, and there's a cliff, and there's all these, this kind of rocky cliff, and there's a path along the cliff, and it's called the Cliff Walk. And so you can go and walk along the cliff, and, and it's really beautiful and, and fun. But, uh, so we, we did that. We went to the entrance of this Cliff Walk, and at the entrance, there's a sign that says, cliff is steep, high risk of injury. Proceed, you know, with caution. And I'm like, of course, they put a sign. They have to put a sign there, you know, for liability reasons, you know, in this age of, of uh, lawsuits and everything. Of course, it's not a big deal. So we, we go through the entrance, and then we start walking along the path. And then we don't go far before we see another sign that says, proceed with caution, Cliff is steep, high risk of injury. And then we don't go much further, and there's another sign. Same thing, high risk of injury, proceed with caution. And another sign, and another sign. And there are so many signs that I start to get scared. I'm like, this must be dangerous. This has to be dangerous that there are this many signs. Somebody must have fallen previously. So I need to be careful. I, need, I, should, I should be scared because of the amount of signs that they're putting up here, right? And I, I think, I feel like something similar happens here as Jesus is talking to his disciples. Um, if you can imagine being one of the disciples there as he sends you out to share the kingdom of God, to share the news of Jesus, the good news with the people. Um, well, we didn't fall. We survived. But it wasn't that dangerous. <laughs> we live to tell the tale. Um, I feel like something similar happens in, the, in, in this passage here because Jesus tells his disciples, you know, as he sends them out, he says, don't be afraid. But then he says it again, right? Don't be afraid. And then he says it again, don't be afraid. And, you know, as Jesus is saying, don't be afraid for the third time, I got to figure as a disciple, I'm like, well, maybe I should be afraid if you're telling me this many times, right? If I'm actually going to do what you want me to do, maybe I should be afraid because maybe it's going to put me in a position where it's going to be scary. Um, and so this is the thing. To be fair, as I mentioned before, the first half of the chapter, he has been telling them it's going to be scary. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. You're going to be persecuted if you are upfront with people and you share the news of Jesus. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be dragged, he says. You're going to be dragged before governors and authorities, and you're going to have to defend yourself. He says, you know, even the people closest to you, families are going to turn against one another, and you'll even be betrayed by people that are closest to you. That's what he's talking about in the first half of chapter 10. And, uh, and so if, if the disciples didn't get the message at this point, he then says, don't be afraid, three times. Because what he's asking them to do is something that is going to tempt them to be afraid. And this is the reality. Um, as I said before, he, he, every single person who follows Jesus, every single person, if you're in this room and you've you know, trusted in Christ, he calls you to represent him and to share him. Even in this passage, he talks about how um, you know, what, you've, what you've heard whispered, announce, proclaim on the rooftops, right? He calls us to be loud about what we believe and about who he is. He says, you know, if you acknowledge me, at the end of this passage, if you acknowledge me before men, 
I will acknowledge you before, the, before my Father. We are called to acknowledge him. And that's hard to do. That can be scary for us to do. I mean, I even, I even recognize that, you know, as, as we go through the process of adopting uh, our kids, you know, many times they've asked us, you know, why are you doing this? You know, why are you doing this? And, and the answer for us is we are doing it because this is how God has loved us. And this is how he calls us to love other people. This is how he calls us to love kids. I've been adopted by my Father in heaven, and so he calls me to, to live a life where I can adopt others. And even then, I'm, I'm nervous when I share that with the people because I know they're not going to understand. I know they're, they're, they're going to be skeptical of me. Um, they're they're going to look at me with suspicion, possibly. You know, to, to acknowledge Jesus before men, to be loud about our faith, to make sure other people know what we believe and who Jesus is, it puts us in a position where it's tempting to be scary. It's tempting to be afraid, right? And so, in light of all that, Jesus does say, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. He gives us three reasons not to fear if we're going to be loud, if we're going to proclaim him. He gives us three reasons. The first reason he gives us is, is he says that all that is hidden will be revealed. In verse 26, if you look at verse 26, he says, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What is he talking about here? Well, I think that as, as we live in this world, there are things that are true that are hard to see. There are things that are true that are hard to see. It's hard as we look around at the world to, to see that God is sovereign. As we look at world events, it's, it's hard to see that Jesus is ruling over all things. It's hard to see that right now. It's hard for us to see that in the midst of all the other things that we think are going to make us happy, that Jesus alone is the one who will satisfy us. It's hard to see that in the midst of the world that we live in. It's hard to see that sacrifice and service is actually the pathway to glory rather than self-preservation and self-promotion. It's hard to see that right now. It's, it's hard to see that, that obedience and faithfulness, even though it brings along with it suffering, is the path to joy. It's hard to see that right now. But Jesus says, all of these things that's hard, that's hard, that are hard for us to see right now will one day be clear to us. Will be absolutely clear. Will be absolutely visible. All the, all the sacrifices you make now, it will be clear one day that it was all worth it. So don't fear. Don't fear. Even though it's hard to see that Jesus is sitting on his throne it will be revealed. So don't fear. Don't, don't fear. Everything that is hidden will be revealed. Second reason he gives us, he says, because we, we, don't, we shouldn't fear because only what is temporary can be taken from us. Only what is temporary can be taken from us. I'm just, uh, look at verse 28. He says, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Well, that sounds kind of scary. Maybe I should be scared of somebody who can kill my body. Doesn't this sound scary? I'm, uh, but Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. And then he compares those who can kill the body with God, the one who is sovereign over not just the body but the soul as well, right? 
He says, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He says, as you look at this world, we need to adjust our perspective. We tend to think that what we see around us and our life itself is this massive, huge thing that must be protected at all costs. But the reality is, is, is that in light of, in the context of eternity, it's very small. So to lose my physical life, well, to me, that, that seems massive. In the context of eternity, it's tiny. Every single person in here is made to live forever. Let me think about it this way. If you, if, wherever you're sitting, if you can look down at the carpet, and the carpet is made up of a bunch of little tiny fibers, right? And there's little loops in the carpet that, that make it up. You can kind of see the little tiny bumps, you know, in the carpet. If the entire carpet of the room is eternity, your life is like one little tiny bump in that carpet. And Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If, 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 if anything is taken from you here in this world, it's like one tiny little strand of that little bump. If even your life ends up being taken from you, it is nothing. It is nothing because the entire, you have the entirety of an eternity to live and to know what life really is and to experience joy. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Lastly, he says, don't fear because you are more valuable to God than you can imagine. You are more valuable to God than you can imagine. And look at verse 29. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. A sparrow was a, a, a bird of a very little value back in that time. Um, if you were very, very poor, you would often eat a sparrow because they were so inexpensive. Two sparrows are sold for a penny. They're very inexpensive. So people would look at sparrows and they'd be like, those are very, you know, they're hardly worth anything. And yet God cares about sparrows. Not a single sparrow ever falls to the ground apart from God knowing and caring about it. You might, you know, maybe compare it to, uh, in, in our time, a pigeon. You guys, how many of you guys are really impressed with pigeons? You ever go to a place where, you know, like a park or something where there's just like pigeons everywhere and you like see somebody like throw some bread and you're like, no, don't. Because it just attracts more and they're everywhere. I remember when we were in, in London, England a few years ago and we were in Trafalgar Square, you know, this place right in front of this, uh, it's got the monument and the lions out there, this place where people like hang out and they meet one another and, and there's just like tons of pigeons all over the place there, you know. And, uh, and, and I, I look at this, like, giant mass of pigeons, and I'm like, they're just a nuisance, you know? They're just a nuisance. And yet God cares about each and every one of those pigeons because he made them. They're valuable to him. And if God cares about these pigeons that, that are a nuisance to me, how much more does he care about me and you who are made in his image? But he doesn't stop there. He goes further. He says that even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Um, God knows the number of hairs on your head. 
That's, that blows my mind to think about that. I, I read this past week that experts say that for a, you know, the, the average person, there's between 100,000 and 500,000 hairs on a person's head for the typical person. Sorry to those who maybe have fewer than 100,000. <laughs> but I mean, I've even, I've, I've even, you know, noticed that myself. I look in the mirror every year and I notice my hair is getting thinner. Um, other people might not notice that, but I notice it. And I actually also notice that there's hair growing in places that, you know, that didn't used to. I have more hairs in my ear than I did yesterday. And I know more hairs growing out my nose than I did yesterday. I have, the, the number of hairs on my head is fluctuating on a day-to-day basis. And yet God knows the number of hairs on my head. You know? That means that his knowledge of me is both intimate and it is up to date. It's current. He knows exactly what I'm going through today. He knows exactly what I'm thinking. He knows exactly what I'm facing. He knows everything. It's current. It's intimate. He knows me. And if he knows me that well, how much, how precious must I be to him? I I don't know how how many of you guys have seen like a movie where there's some parents who have a kid who has a turtle, you know, and the turtle dies and the kid doesn't know. And they're like, oh, let's go to the pet store and get another turtle for him. And they switch the turtle out and then the kid never notices because as much as they love the turtle, they they don't know the turtle in that much detail that they can tell the difference. And you can, you can maybe compare that to my, my kids when they were growing up, our older kids, they had these little tiny blankets. I don't remember who gave them to them, but they had these little tiny blankets that were like silky on one side and soft on the other. They loved these blankets, but one of our kids especially loved the blanket and, and he would clutch it, you know, every night as he fell asleep. And that thing would get like stained and worn and frayed, but he knew, you know, every little frayed thread on that thing. If we tried to switch that thing out, you know, it was getting so nasty. We were like, we should really try to switch it out. But, but we knew if we tried to switch it out, he would know. Because he knew that thing in detail, and it was precious to him. That's how precious we are to God. He knows you, every detail, every frayed little thread. He knows you. And of course, he cares about you. He's not going to let you be ultimately destroyed or consumed. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So those are the three reasons Jesus gives us. Jesus gives us, you know, all that is hidden will be revealed. Only what is temporary can be taken from us. And we are more valuable to God than we can imagine. So having said all this, I realize that um, I was struggling with this passage this week because I'm like, you know, Jesus gives us all these reasons to, to not be afraid but sadly, I, I'm, I'm nervous that this message, Jesus' encouragement to not be afraid, isn't going to be that relevant to a lot of us because we're not doing what Jesus tells us in verse 24. Where he says, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. How many of us are really actually becoming more and more like Jesus in the way that we are honest and open with the world about their need and about who Jesus is and how he can love them. How many of us are actually, you know, he says, what's whispered, proclaim on the housetops. How many of us are really being that loud about our faith? 
You know, and I don't mean being loud in an obnoxious, annoying way. I mean being loud in a, in, in a way that, that, that cannot fail to be noticed by others, but in a way that is loving. How many of us are being public about who Jesus is and about our faith and about our invitation, his invitation, for others to enter his kingdom and to know God's love for them. How many of us are doing that? How many of us, how many of us are begin, becoming more like Jesus in that way? I mean, Jesus was persecuted. Jesus ultimately was hung on a cross, right? Why was this? It's because he confronted the accepted values of his world that, that weren't consistent with God's values, right? He confronted people who were self-righteous and confident in their own strength and independence and their self-sufficiency. He confronted the world and, and said that, that the only way to get to God is through him. That's why he was persecuted. How many of us are, are be willing to be as open with the world around us? Because his encouragement to not fear will only be relevant to us if we're living like Jesus in that way. If we're living like Jesus in that way. So I know, I, I, I struggle. And, and, and so as, as I think about this, this isn't just, Jesus' words aren't just a comfort to those of us who are sharing our faith. I think it's also a challenge to us to say, how can I live more like my master? How can I live more like my teacher, Jesus? How can I become more like him in the way that he loved people without compromising, in a way that he invited people into his life and, and to know him, and to know him is the only way to have life. It's a challenge to us to actually think about how can I be more loud with my faith? How can I proclaim it from the rooftops? How can I be more quick to acknowledge him in all of my relationships? And so it should be, I think, both comforting and challenging and convicting to us. But I, what I want to leave us with, though, is because if, if we just are left with the, the challenge, we're gonna, it's going to be a huge burden. I'm going to be like, I've got to get out there and I've got to work. I've got to do this. You know, we're going to feel the pressure. But I want, I want as, as we hear Jesus' call to, to be open and bold about what we believe and about who he is, I think we also need to, to hear the ultimate reason for why we should be bold, why we should proclaim him from the rooftops. And, and, and I think to do that, we need to come back to the cross. We always need to come back to the cross because when we look at the cross, and, and not just the cross, but the cross and the empty tomb, because when we look at the cross and the empty tomb, we, we see at the heart of those things also the, all of the reasons that we shouldn't have to fear, right? I mean, when Jesus died on the cross, it looked like he had lost. It looked like the ultimate defeat. And yet, the fact that he was truly the victor became clear when he rose from the dead, right? All that was hidden was revealed when Jesus walked out of the tomb. He is Lord and King. He is Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's alive. And guess what? When, when he died on the cross, his, his, his 
friends and disciples must have been like, oh, there, there it goes. We've lost everything. But again, when he walked out of the tomb, he proved that all he lost was, was a temporary thing, his physical life for a moment. Nothing can hold him back or hold him down. He lives forever. And guess what? It's at the cross that we see how precious we are to God. You know, it's not just that God says, I know you intimately, but, but I know you and I know all the junk about you. And yet I was willing to send my son to die for you. That's how precious you are to him. And so, yes, in all those things, we, we shouldn't fear, but it's in all those things that we have reason to say, this is the only way to life. Jesus is the, the ultimate one worth knowing and trusting in. And so, as we think about going out from here, do not fear. Jesus is enough. Do not fear. He is ruling over all things. Do not fear. You are precious to him. And so go. Be bold. Be courageous. Really think about how you can intentionally share the source of life with those around you who don't know him. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would um, help us we thank you for this reminder, this command where you give us over and over again, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, because it, we are so tempted to live our lives conditioned by fear of all sorts of things, but especially fear of other people. Father, we pray that you would help us to see that you are the only one worth fearing in the sense that, that we will give you the ultimate weight in our lives. Father, help us to, um, to see that, uh, that others need to hear about your love and your goodness, about your power and your mercy. We pray that you would drive us forward with a conviction, knowing that, that, that we are yours. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare now to meet Jesus at the Lord's table, we're going to confess our sin together. Um, if you are new here and you, and you haven't been here before, um, we celebrate communion every week, and, and hopefully you receive the elements on your way in. If you did